Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Well, welcome back, Nicole. It's good to see you. Likewise, Chris. And don't worry, I'm going to stay this week. I'm not just <laughs> going to like... <laughs> it's great. Sarah was... Hi, yeah, Ren. She was amazing last week. She was amazing last week. So we're going to have to... We're going to have to have her on again soon and do some case studies and stuff uh, because it, that was a fun podcast. And today's going to be a fun co- podcast. I know B vitamins sounds so boring and dry, but they're pretty – I mean, all these nutrients are. But when you start really looking at them and, and drilling down, you're like, wow, okay, this little vitamin or this class of vitamins does it quite a bit, doesn't it? It definitely does. And, you know, it's something that we get some questions about that I think there's confusion about in horses' diets. How much do I need to add? Why why is this important? Am I doing the right thing? I plugged it into this calculator and it said my horse is deficient. Should I be worried? So I think kind of going over what they are, what we need to think about, how you can support your horse will be really helpful. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so the B vitamins, what are they? And, and they're, they're water soluble. So I think that's good to, I think we've talked about this in some of the other vitamin podcasts, but it, it good to review what a water soluble vitamin is or what that even means. Sure. So we have two categories of vitamins and it's based on how they're absorbed and if they're stored in the body. So you have your fat soluble vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K. And then the other stuff is water soluble. And what that means is when they're consumed, they enter the body, they dissolve in water. So the body doesn't store the excess amount. So your fat soluble vitamins, the body can actually keep those, right? They store them in their fat so they can be used later when there are times that dietary intake isn't meeting the horse's daily requirement. This doesn't happen with our water soluble. So the good part of this is toxicity is incredibly unlikely with our water soluble vitamins because excess is just excreted, doesn't stick around. However, it means the horse needs a daily supply. And, you know, there's there's two ways to think about like what's an essential nutrient. So a lot of times when we talk about essential nutrients, they're dietarily essential, meaning that we have to add them in the diet to meet the horse's needs. They can't create enough on their own in order to meet their requirements. And then there's ones that we think of as non-essential. We don't have to add them to the diet. The B vitamins primarily are non-essential in the sense that we don't have to add them to the diet. Instead, you know, the horse has developed a mechanism to create their own. So in some respects, it's possible that, you know, from a evolutionary standpoint, these were so essential that the horse is like, I got to make these myself. I can't rely on what's there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's ultimately what happens for most of these horses actually, or not the horse, the microbes that live in the horse's digestive tract more specifically actually produce your B vitamins. It's a pretty cool system. I know it is. It it really is. It really is when you think about it. It it really is that these hindgut microbes are busy, 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 busy things. Uh, Okay. So the B vitamins, this is a class. It's it's pretty large. Can we just go through some of them, highlight, you know, what they are and I guess what they do? Sure. Okay. I have the list in front of me. I'm not going to lie. I I don't think I could get these all right off the top of my head, but- the first two I always think about are the only two that we've established a minimum requirement for. Those are vitamins B1 and B2, which are thiamine and riboflavin, respectively. In terms of their jobs, 
Um, both of them are involved in energy metabolism. Um, and riboflavin also plays a role in immune support. So those are the two that if we look at the NRC, there are minimum requirements for. And then there's six others. A lot of these you'll notice as I go through have a lot of um, similar functions. They're not interchangeable, but they work in similar parts of the body. So thiamine and riboflavin had to do with energy metabolism, uh, niacin, be another vitamin also plays a role in energy metabolism. You have panthenoic acid, so that's fat and protein breakdown and synthesis. Uh, peroxidine, amino acid metabolism, more energy metabolism. This one also is involved in hemoglobin production, and you'll notice a couple of these have things to do with blood. Uh, Biotin is one that most of you have probably heard of because we talk a lot about it for hooves, that self-function and integrity where one of the places we see that's hooves, both the hair coat and just the quality of the epithelium, the skin would also be influenced by that. Folic acid is one that we, there's like an online calculator thing that always tells people their horses diets are deficient in folic acid or folate. Um, that's one that comes up pretty often. That's involved in red blood cell production um, and a lot of different cell functions. And then finally, you have B12, which is cobalamin, also red blood cell production, and some protein metabolism. So you can kind of see there's a lot of crossovers how these different B vitamins are working in many different functions in the body. Some the same, some different, but there's a lot of crossover here in the things that they do. It's a lot. It's a little overwhelming, but it, it, they, you know, the good thing is you're right. You kind of went through that very nicely and they, and they do have similar function. So I guess the question is, okay, here we go. Another nutrient um, on my list of things to watch for. And I'm a horse owner sitting at home going, okay, listening to this podcast. How do I ensure my horse is getting enough B vitamins each day? Because they can't store it, right? You've established that, which is really good. So we need to get it each day in the diet. So where are we getting them? Ah, so do you need it in the diet is, is really the function. Yeah, the question. big question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because the, these are made by the microbes that live in the horse's digestive tract. So functionally, what you as a horse owner need to do is ensure that your horse has good quality forage and a healthy digestive tract. Because at the end of the day, that's all that's required to support the horse's B vitamin needs. Like I said, they've created a system where the microbes through microbial synthesis are creating these vitamins from inputs from the diet. And then those are absorbed into the horse used for their different processes. So functionally, like we can go through these specifically, but like B vitamin deficiencies largely impossible, except under some weird circumstances here and there. So what you can do is plenty of good quality forage, and then just supporting a lifestyle for a good, healthy gut, specifically hindgut, is all you, you truly need to worry about with B vitamins. Okay, so don't have to worry about it in the diet as much. Okay, so good quality forage is, is really where we're going to support our B vitamins. That makes a lot of sense. So you said, so I'm, I'm thinking going through all the, the podcasts we've talked about, the the issues with, I don't know why, hindgut acidosis or something like that. Does that cause deficiencies when we have digestive upset with these horses? 
it's possible you can create yeah. some subclinical deficiencies, maybe. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, if you go through the literature and you go down the list, most of them say, like, if you look at the NRC, yeah. uh, riboflavin deficiency has not been described in the horse. Niacin deficiency, not been described in the horse. Biotin, we'll talk about that one, I guess. Uh, folic acid or folate, not been described in the horse under normal circumstances. Same thing with pantothenic peroxidine, cobalamin. So largely horses do a good job even if under some stress it's really difficult to create a true deficiency in these so i think it's more a question of optimal um versus true deficiency because some of these they even fed purified diets where essentially they've created situations where like none of it was fed and they still couldn't create clinical signs of deficiency so it's really really hard to do that I will say, if you look at one of our tags, we do add some B vitamins. Okay. Um, certainly riboflavin and thiamine because those have defined requirements. So let's go ahead and cover those. We know what they are. The rest of them, there's no defined requirement with the expectation that the horse is making what they need. We do recognize, for example, those situations where <sighs> hindgut health may not be optimal. And there's a lot of reasons that can happen, right? Even just basic stress can upset the hindgut to a certain extent. So from that standpoint, we are fortifying diets with that. That's just meant to be extra precaution. Uh, Is it really necessary for the vast majority of horses? Absolutely not. For a small percentage, though, we are preventing that possibility of a subclinical deficiency, meaning they're not getting the optimal amount to support health and wellness just because of some... You don't have great quality hay. There's some upset, that sort of thing. Uh, But functionally, the deficiencies don't really exist for this under normal circumstances. Okay. 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 That makes sense. And uh, I mean, you know, you you talked about stress. Um, Throw some other... I guess, how do we feed the microbes? Because I'm thinking of, say, horses that take antibiotics. We know that has an effect on gut microbe populations. These horses that are high performance or old or young, really young horses establishing their gut microbes, how do we feed these bugs or how do we ensure their microbes in their gut? I know we've done podcasts on it, but maybe it's, it's just good here to remind the listeners, how do we feed those bugs to make sure they're healthy and they're producing all the B vitamins that the horse needs? Absolutely. Biggest thing right is forage. Good quality forage and enough quantity. Beyond that, like you've brought up a couple examples, the older horse, um, maybe there's a situation where your hay isn't great and it just is what it is. Well, that's when we choose those concentrates that help fill in that gap and feed the hindgut through highly digestible fiber. So looking for your feeds that are 15% to 20% crude fiber coming from really digestible sources of fiber, that's going to be your dehydrated alfalfa meal, your soybean hulls, your beet pulp avoiding things like rice holes or oat holes that aren't really digestible. So those are base ingredients. And, and that's the most important thing, right? I'll talk about some other options for supporting the hindgut next, but that's the base, the foundation of your horse's diet. So putting our primary focus there is going to reap the best benefit in terms of supporting the hindgut so the horse can create their B vitamins. Now, beyond that, because we recognize we can do all of those things really well, and because of horses' lifestyles, 
either they're stressed because they're just a nervous type or training, competition, travel. We know that those things impact microbial population that lives in the hindgut. So that added support through things like pre and probiotics is absolutely helpful to supporting that environment. Is that where something like you, you I know we, we just talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, constant comfort, advanced paste. I mean, look at attribute specific products, but people can look those up and if they're not available in their area, look at something similar, but those are, are, are those supporting the gut microbes too? Or those types of products? Yeah. Fantastic okay. question. Yeah. Yep. So briefly, you know, our, it's, we have a pre and probiotic package built into all of our feeds. So that's something that, you know, we feel gut health is so important. Horses are stressed in a variety of ways. It's our baseline. And then some horses need some additional support. So the constant comfort has lots of ingredients to support the stomach, but also again, pre and probiotics for the hindgut. Advanced paste is a paste that has nutrients as well as a probiotic. Um, A great example of that. I unfortunately had a horse who colicked and had colic surgery and as part of his refeeding protocol, used advanced pace because he's only on hay. I want to get some additional support. Obviously, I can't rely on that coming through a grain because we're not there yet. Advanced pace is a perfect way to do that. Um, and then we also have the Equifirm XL top dress as well. Again, a pelleted top dress. So all of those are things that can be added We do provide that baseline simply because it's so important. And then there are situations where an additional product can absolutely be appropriate as well. Now, you did bring it up. You said there were some some obscure, weird, you know, situations, maybe these curveballs that you get thrown every now and then. Uh, Is that some deficiencies in B vitamins? I mean, is that something that, that happens? Yeah. So I did say that under normal circumstances, it's very difficult to create a deficiency, if not impossible. And we're talking true clinical symptoms of deficiency. Like you're like, you look at the horse and you're like, there's something wrong with it. So there's some really interesting ones. Uh, Thiamine, for example, a thiamine deficiency in horses fed a typical diet doesn't really exist. However, uh, bracken fern, So that's a plant that if a horse eats that, it can create a secondary deficiency, just the way things are metabolized. Uh, If for some reason that horse got into chicken feed containing amprolium, it would create a thiamine deficiency. So those are like weird examples of creating a true clinical deficiency. Uh, Most of us would not run into those. And, you know, you don't want a situation where your horse can eat chicken feed. But if it did, and especially more than once, and if it was a medicated chicken feed, that could happen. Another one, uh, so folic acid or folate, uh, one of the EPM treatments, there's different ones on the market, um, but one of them, the way it functions is it inhibits protozoal folic acid synthesis. So Uh, rebalance would be the commercial name of this particular EPM treatment. And it can cause a folic acid deficiency used long-term in adult horses. Um, So there's been mixed, um, mixed opinions on whether or not supplementing additional folic acid while using this particular EPM treatment is appropriate or useful. But for example, if your horse was on this treatment for a very long period of time, you know, your vet would do some blood work because you'd be looking for anemia and leukopenia. So some changes in their blood, because thinking about what does folic acid do, it's 
has a role in red blood cell production. And, you know, that particular EPM medication is not labeled for use in pregnant mares because there's issues with the foals. Um, and they presume that issue is a function of blocking that folic acid pathway. So like, again, EPM, relatively common, right? One example where there is a treatment we use for horses that can inhibit folic acid synthesis just because of the function of the drug. Not necessarily an issue for relatively short-term use, uh, but but if for some reason your vet has prescribed it for a very long period of time, that's something you'd want to be mindful of. And then, you know, another one I said we'd circle back to is biotin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you look at the NRC, a direct quote, no unequivocal evidence of a biotin deficiency has been published. Now, there's definitely situations where adding biotin to the horse's diet, you, you can see a difference in hoof quality. So one of the things, like they've created biotin deficiencies in other species, it creates dermatitis, inflammation, and cracks in the plantar surface of the feet. Now, there hasn't been a controlled study that's demonstrated a biotin requirement above that that's supplied by intestinal synthesis, so like what the microbes in the gut are making. There have been a number of studies that look at like, hey, what happens if we add biotin to the diet to hoof quality? And those studies generally fall between 10 to 30 milligrams per day of biotin, and it helps sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Right. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. One of the issues there, you know, there's no established baseline synthesis. So looking at the difference between those studies, you know, the impact of diet probably confounds results. Like how much is the horse making? We know it's influenced by diet. So what is the baseline amount? So completely making up numbers, right? I have no idea what the baseline amount is, but in study A, the baseline amount was 10 milligrams and you add another 10 on top and you saw a response. Great. Study B, what if the baseline amount was 60 milligrams? You add 10 milligrams, you saw nothing because we're already above the minimum. So that's one of the challenges in this research. You don't know what the horse is making. So it's hard to identify what's the minimum. Therefore, what should we add on top? And what I always tell people when we're thinking about hoof quality, we don't know if it's a biotin deficiency, whether the horse isn't making enough biotin, they have increased requirement for some reason, who knows? So I don't only supplement biotin. I think it's appropriate to say my horse has hoof quality issues. What are some ways we can support that? But we know there's so many other nutrients involved in hoof quality and growth trace minerals like copper and zinc, some of your macro minerals, amino acids, your sulfur containing ones, uh, methionine and cysteine. So from that perspective, biotin absolutely has a really important role. And some horses do appear to benefit from increased levels, but you wouldn't want to supplement that by itself for a year and then find out like, oops, that was not the limiting factor in my horse's hoof quality. The nice thing on adding this, again, no toxicity issues. So at worst, you've wasted money. Um, But I certainly hate to see people get really focused on biotin because they've heard biotin is important for hoof health. And it's absolutely true. We just can't tell if your horse specifically has a biotin deficiency or there's other nutritional factors related to that hoof quality. 
yeah, there's a lot of other nutrients in there. So, you know, we'd have to go back and listen to that podcast or maybe another one uh, in the future, you know, all the nutrients that affect hoof quality and uh, care. So, no, good stuff. Uh, any final tips about B vitamins? Ultimately, um, you know, if the online calculator told you your horse was deficient <laughs> in any of these vitamins, yeah. um, don't worry about it other than like, like, let's make sure we're feeding good quality hay and those things. But other than that, you know, because there's no minimum NRC defined amount for any of these, but thiamine and riboflavin, any online calculator that tells you you're deficient, I, I don't know how they come up with that number because they aren't published in the research and it's, you know, functionally not something you need to be worrying about. Oh, well, it's it, good stuff. And I mean, B vitamins, all these nutrients, they all come together and, and uh, you know, not only help us physically, but also our horses. So good stuff, Nicole. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you for those comments on iTunes and social media. They, they, they mean a lot to Nicole and I. You know, if you haven't already, if, if you don't mind going into iTunes and giving us a five-star review and, and some comments, it, it keeps us motivated, but it does help the podcast uh, in circulation and get this information out to more host horse owners around the globe but thank you so much today nicole and stay tuned for another great episode next week thanks chris